we will have all of this. I think this is our this is our fourth one or fifth one. This is our fifth. We're gonna we're gonna need to go a couple more weeks. I'm not rushing this at all. And since things shifted and I was gonna do the prophetic teaching next month anyway, um, we're just gonna blend the two together. We'll move, and when we get there, we get there. Um, then in the following month, we'll do the study on the book of Ephesians. Lisa, I saw Lisa. Lisa's here. She's been studying for a long time. Uh, and so it's going to be a really great study. I think we have six, six weeks of that, six weeks of the study of Ephesians. And then uh, Mike, Pastor Mike and Amber are going to do a uh, dream interpretation course as well. So what we're doing is we're anchoring down foundationally the biblical basis of deliverance and, and inner healing, why we do it, how we do it. And I'm just encouraged that the number of folks that have uh, interested in this and then we're just getting a bunch of uh, requests from all over for increased prayer ministry. So I need some of you to step up and be prayer ministers as well. And so that means you go to your own personal prayer ministry. You go through the manual. Uh, we'll be doing, a, I'm going to probably do a Sunday morning course again. On uh, We'll go through in more detail the ministry manual. And then you've gone to your own personal prayer ministry. And you see the value of that. And then, and I think... We had a hand shown last time, about 90% of you have already said that's been valuable. And so, and then have you sit in, be one of my seconds, and then we'll work you towards being a lead or a permanent second. Some of you already do that as, as, a, as a routine. But we should, have, we should be a church that is fully equipped as a body of believers that when someone comes with a burden, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, we can point them directionally to scripture, but we're also fully equipped with the things that are in the toolbox. Okay, that's darkness, deep darkness, and we know how to help you find your way out of that mess. And so um, we want a ministry team that is able to take on any level of darkness. Now, th this times when we're, we're, a lot of times we're flying by the seat of your pants. Sunday was really awesome. Ken, from Ken Powell and Andrea from Mozambique, and there was a moment, this will be relevant for what we've been teaching. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about principalities and powers at different levels, and we talked about um, a principality over a region or a nation, and we used the example out of Daniel chapter 10, where as soon as Daniel, who's in exile, his family's been murdered, he's been made a eunuch, he still loves God, and he's in a foreign country, and he refuses to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's rule that has been set up by his witchcraft folks that they want to get these people to bow to, the, to Nebuchadnezzar. Well, you know, by Jewish law, you don't bow to anybody but Yahweh. And so he says, he honors the king. He says, king, I can't, I can't do that. So he's in prayer about this whole thing. And as soon as he enters into prayer, 21 days, he's still unanswered prayer. And when the archangel shows up at the scene and says, I'm finally here in answer to your prayer, I want you to know I engaged with the prince of Persia 21 days ago, which is the principality over Iran. He was in exile in Iran. That's where Nebuchadnezzar was, right? And so they changed their name in 1937 from Persia to Iran. So there is, by biblical reference, and he says, I need to go back into the war in the heavenlies because now I'm going to engage the, prin the, the spirit prince over Greece. So if you don't think there's a spirit prince over region, it's, biblically it's correct. So here we are, 
Kent and Andrea come in and says, look, I almost died. I was sick to the point where I even told my wife, you can bury my body in, in the land here in Mozambique. And, uh, and there's been this, he said, it's probably been the most difficult year of their life spiritually. When that happened, something just clicked. They said, we don't engage against principalities and powers by ourselves. That's not a wise endeavor, my experience. But when you engage with a group of believers around a common focus, and you have legitimate legal rights, we have vested 14 years in Mozambique. Your money, my money, God's money has gone there. We've taken teams there. They've been authorized by apostolic leaders in that nation. They've been given dearie five-year uh, rights to come in with their uh, immigration status by the government. Under Heidi, who's an apostolic leader there, release them. So we have legal rights in the natural, and we have spiritual rights. When that happened, the Lord said, you need to engage this principality now with this body of believers. So that's, if you were here, it was spontaneous. None of that was planned. And we engaged in a principality over Mozambique to leave our missionaries alone. And so I expect when they go back, there's going to be tremendous fruit. There can be some battles. There were other people that have signed up or at least made indication they're going with them. They're going to go spend short-term missions there. Help me, Lord. I've had a daughter there before. Lord, for... Anyway, so I say all that. I want you to see that in the practicality of where we are, we're, we're in the midst of moving darkness out of the way of nations, people groups, families, and individuals. That's what we're about. So, okay, let me, let's pray. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you would lead and guide and direct. We want biblical basis. This has to line up biblically, but we also need to be skilled. It's one thing to read about a weapon, and it's another thing to get on the firing range and sight it in. And so, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would make this application applicable, transferable, and give us wisdom. And then I ask that you give testimony to those here that this ministry brings inner healing to the person individually and they become skilled in war. I'm asking that you'd make them armed and dangerous for the kingdom. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to equip us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to... I'm going to try and get through. Last week, uh, we did a lot of testimonies of actual on-the-ground examples of things that didn't work by the model. We had the example of uh, Clarice, the translator in Brazil, and Anna Paula, and then we went and looked at uh, Otha. We're going to go now practically. We're going to build on what I want to give you is knowledge of how the enemy works because if you know his tactics, Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. Right? So we're kind of building on this, and either mid next week or the week after, we're going to shift, and we're going to go. So if you would, who, this anybody here for the first time tonight? Okay, good. Um, you should have read the uh, ministry manual. The pickup on the back credenza back there is a... Um, is a copy of the handout which we went through the first two weeks on Breaking Free. It's got the reading assignments in there, gives you the modules, so you should be all through the reading assignments. And then in that same handout uh, is the journal process that if you go to prayer ministry, you'll get 
sent to you a copy of the journal that makes you, uh, helps you prepare in the Holy Spirit for, the, for your own ministry. And then this is the actual model. It's called the Destiny Model. And uh, we're going to go through that. We're actually going to set up kind of a, a mock scenario of what we would do in prayer ministry. And so we'll do that. I want you to, if you've sat in on, how many again have, have been to their own personal prayer ministry? Okay, a, a good portion of So you're familiar with one of those. Those who haven't, I just encourage you to, to go ahead and get one. Um, get your prayer ministry. All right, we're, we're picking up on page 20. Well, let's pick up on 23. Now, you should have read this. You know, From a retention point of view, we're going to hit it, but I'm hoping this is going to be somewhat of a review. All right. You're there on page 20, uh, 24. We looked at, um, well, let me backtrack. Look at page 22 to the left. Behaviors and influences that we're looking at opening doors. And so if you look at how can you tell if someone's got an open door? Um, how can you tell if somebody's under the influence? Remember we said a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon, but they can be oppressed and they can come under the influence. There aren't many Christians that once they get saved, they never have another temptation or a problem. I've not met any, I don't think, right? And so, but when that temptation is a stronghold area, um, that's the area where prayer ministry can come in. Okay, let's look at what are some of the ways that the enemy operates. We know that on page 22, it says, one of the gifts given in 1 Corinthians is that, you see that bolded area in the top paragraph, discerning of spirits. It's really great when you are familiar, or the Holy Spirit, we've shared many examples of um, when the Holy Spirit downloads, you have no idea what the person's stronghold is. But remember in Matthew 12, Jesus said, you can't enter a strong man's house unless you first tie him up. If you don't tie up the strong man in a person's life, this dwelling place, this, this household right here, if you don't know what the demonic stronghold is in that person, they're under an influence. You remember from even the first class when Randy Clark engaged in Santarém, Brazil, without any preparation, there was a mess of, in, of a whole bunch of manifestations of people doing crazy things. So it's really wise to know and ask for wisdom from the Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit that is really in the main control here? And so some of them are obvious. If you look at, these are some of the areas in which we would look at manifestations. Observing a person's behavior might give some insight there. You see where it says emotional, mental, speech, sexual, addictions, physical infirmities. So someone comes in and they, they have rage fits. I'm going to share one later of a woman actually from our church. I've changed her name. Um, she was raised in a wonderful Christian family, balanced from all shakes of everything. She ought to be fine. But she would have these fits of anger and rage. And she turns out generationally it had taken root because the sins of the father visited to the third and fourth generations. And there were these times that she would just hit and she would go off. And she says, I know. And in the middle of our prayer ministry, um, and change her name to Betty here, but Betty went off and tried to get me. <laughs> and uh, after the ministry, she realized there was this generational anger. Well, I've known her for 12 years. That thing is gone. Her relationship with her family, her husband, the estranged relationship she had with her children and um, married children, it was like, what a difference. When that 
spirit of anger and rage, that subverted anger that came out of her, it was a spirit that was attached. So she knew it by the way she would react, and she said, there's no grid for why I should be acting this way. So that resentment, that hatred, that anger, that stuff that shows up is just... But then there's this mental disturbances that sometimes just we can't seem to get off of, and there can be a spirit behind it. Uncontrolled lying. If you have a spirit of lying, it's almost deceitful lying. It's like, almost like you've practiced it, and I can't seem to get free of this lying, cursing tongue. I don't have to say much about sexuality. Lust, perversion, homosexuality, adultery, fornication. Those spirits, when the door opens there, I saw an ugly statistic, Barna, with all, because of our these great cell phones and these computers that are now attached to us, the amount of pornography that is now taking place routinely in the church is become addictive levels. Over 60 plus percent of the men and 30% of the women and 60, now I don't know if this Barna statistics correct, I'm not going to take a poll tonight. Um, not that we would raise our hands anyway, but there's this place where if in, within a month time, over 60% of the men in a congregation have looked at a porn site and 30% of the women. That's a really terrible statistic. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. So this place about pursuing, and yet we're in pursuit of the Lord, right? And anyway, when someone comes in and says, man, I just can't seem to get my mind right, I can't seem to get my thoughts right, or I can't get my behaviors right, then we might have opened the door. We know that patterns of behaviors attract spirits, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out when you look at lust, the spirit of lust can attach itself to you. And come with that, sisters, is perversion, adultery, etc. right? So we're after that spirit to get out of this house. Amen? All right. Physical infirmities. That one, we won't turn there, but for 18 years at the bottom there, F where it says in Luke 13, 10, it says, we actually have quoted it there. It says, when Jesus entered on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit, calls it right out. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up. When Jesus saw her, he called her over, woman, you are healed from your sickness. Now, it's interesting, that spirit of infirmity, sickness, crippling disorder was put there by a spirit. And when he touches her, there's another laying hands on, woman, you are healed of your sickness, touched her, and instantly she could stand straight, and she praised and thanked God. 18 years. I've had people that have dealt with stuff for over 50 years. I had a man recently from another place in the state come down, and 50 years struggling to do the right thing. And when he got free, he just sat in the parking lot, and he cried and cried and cried for his freedom. He's been down getting trained, getting all of his folks trained from another body of believers. That's good. I love that kind of stuff. Okay. Religious errors. If you open the door, some people visit cults. They, they study things that are from, they're, they're not godly, they're, un, they're not lining up with scripture. You can open yourself up. How about witchcraft? Last night, this is crazy. I get to test this one. Who, I, I'm real careful about what I watch on TV. I've canceled Showtime. I don't have any of that cinema. I don't have any of that. That's just all lot so much garbage anyway. Not worth the eight bucks or whatever they promised to give me. And so, 
So I go to Red Box and I look at it and say, Cam, that's no good. That's no good. I got one night, uh, King Arthur. It's got to be okay. King Arthur, come on. So I rented King Arthur last night. The whole thing is witchcraft and sorcery and projection and curse. My, 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 we turned around and said, that's got to go. That was a waste of $1.61. And so, but here's the point. It's like, it's so prevalent, so prevalent. That's why he says, iniquity will abound and the love of many will grow cold. There will be such darkness, deep darkness, and we're so culturalized. I don't want to over-spiritualize what's going on with this thing in Houston. But right after the solar eclipse, which is the judgment of the Gentiles, according to Hebrews studies, within a few days of that solar eclipse, Corpus Christi, the body of Christ, comes under major assault, goes out, circles it back around, and hits it a second time. I don't know what to make of all that, but I'm concerned about the judgment of the United States. The Lord may answer our prayer and bring us close to him. One way or another, I'm praying for them. It's like, wow. Okay, moving right along. But I want you to look at that middle of page 23, Deuteronomy 18.10. Well, people come, Pastor, I can look at Harry Potter. Don't be silly. That's just, that's just crazy. You know, the good witch, the bad, there's good witch. There are no good witches, okay? And this scripturally, just listen to the words. Do not, this is a quote from Deuteronomy 18.10 through 14. Do not let your people practice fortune-telling or sorcery or allow them to interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics. Call forth the spirits of the dead. This idea that other religions, they call forth dead spirits from other saints and all, that's it's not biblical, okay? Anyone who does these things is an object of horror and disgust to the Lord. That's pretty strong. It's because the other nations have done these things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The people you are about to displace consult with sorcerers, fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Is that any clearer? Is that black and white? So this idea that we can, oh, we can dabble over here and we can let our kids read the seven or eight, nine series that, of, of Harry Potter that now teaches them how to cast spells on people? No, no. In fact, when this first came out, when Rawlings was writing her first series, uh, John Hagee came out with a thing that says, Witchcraft Repackaged, the, the uh, Harry Potter series. So I decided to show his video. So I, I said, on a Saturday, come on in, we're going to take two hours, I'm going to show this video. Man, I was some, amazed with how, we opened it up to the city and people came in, and I showed it, and Hagee's pretty black and white, if you ever listen to John Hagee. And uh, at the end, I said, I read that to you. I said, and I got a couple ladies that just got in my face. Well, where do we draw the line here, Pastor? Snow White? And, and, and they were not happy that I was putting this out. And there was a woman sitting in that corner right back there. Didn't say a word during the whole thing. She says, I'm a, I was a Wiccan witch. I want to tell you what the pastor's telling you is absolutely truthful. In fact, if you click on Harry Potter, it'll take you right to the Wiccan sites and your children will find their way right into this sorcery. You better listen to what I'm telling you, what he's telling you. I said, well, boy, I could have paid that lady that amount that day. All right, moving on. Strongholds. I like what this sin will take you where you don't want to go. 
Sin will make you stay longer than you want to stay, and it'll make you pay more than you want to pay. Anybody say yes to that one? How many times do we first take, you know, who would think smoking a joint, what's the big problem with that? Then you ask the heroin addict, how'd that go? Or the alcoholic, or the person who's struggling with all sorts of stuff. Those strongholds, rebellion. He tells us in 1 Samuel 15 that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When we rebel against legitimate authority or we rebel against legitimate laws, you open the door to witchcraft to become bewitched. But didn't Paul say that the authorities are placed there and they will even be used by God to break rebellion? Stubbornness is as a sin of idolatry. Now, I'm not saying that every government's perfect and every law is good, and, you know, I get it, but I certainly don't agree with the one about gay marriage. Um, so, I hope I'm never tested there. Let's see. When somebody comes and says, marry me, no. All right, when the door is open, we know, we've already talked about this, he's authorized to kill, steal, and destroy. A good example of this one is in Numbers 22, and if you haven't read this account, I'd encourage you to go look at it. Numbers 22 through 25 actually finishes in 30 where it says, you've got Balaam and Balak. He, the king, right now the Jews are coming. There's like 200, there's 2 million of them strong. they've They've left. They're trying to find the promised land. They end up in front of this king and he hires a sorcerer, pays him good money and says, Balaam, I want you to curse this nation. Every time the sorcerer gets up to conjure up his curse against the Israelis, he ends up, a blessing comes out of his mouth. The king says, I'm going to kill you. I'm paying you to curse him. You keep blessing him. And he says, I can't curse them. This goes along with the proverb that says, a curse that's undeserved will, like a sputtering sparrow cannot land. It's not authorized to land. There's too much purity, right? And so what happens here is Balaam comes up with a, I got an idea. Let's send some loose Moabite women in. They'll have sexual relationships with the Israeli men, which will open the door to lust and fornication, and then we can curse them because the door is open. And that's exactly what they do. And it's, you can read the whole account of that. Balaam gets his just dues later. He's, he gets killed. Um, so what's the point? The point is invitation. Behavior and self-will engaged in, uh, in walking in direct sin and disobedience to the word of God opens the door to the devourer. What's that scripture? First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Watch out. Be sober, be alert, for your adversary goes around seeking Right. Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to take a bite out of, your, out of you or your family But if we're in a righteous place, he can't. He can try. But we're in covenant. Deuteronomy 28 says, those who are in covenant with me, they'll be blessed in their families, in their fields, in the fruit, blah, blah, blah. And it goes down and says, and when the enemy comes one way, he'll flee seven. So he can form a weapon, right? No weapon formed will prosper. We're going to get attacked. We're going to have issues. We're going to, but he said, I will be your deliverer, Psalm 91, right? Okay. Hope this is good. Let's see. Moving on. John Wimber, the bottom of 23, he was the head of the uh, vineyard churches when I was a vineyard pastor. He, He used to say that your open doors to sin are like lighting up the runway and asking Beelzebub to land. 
Okay, next page, 34. When a parent opens the door to and is unprotecting of a child, the devil will he'll go right in. It can, it can affect a child in the womb, and it can affect a young child. If the illegitimate authority, I've seen this a lot with abuse. We may share one of these tonight. If a child is being sexually or, or physically or emotionally abused by a parent, that door that is supposed to be the covering is rent open. The devil can come in and cause all sorts of harm on that child. Or parents in their relationship. When, um, when a couple engages in one of the couples, or both of them are engaged in pornography, what you've done is you've invited in a spirit of adultery and lust into the relationship. And if you wonder why your marriage is a mess, you've got a partnership with an adulterous spirit. And so... You may try to keep it secret and all that, but it's usually you will see trouble in the marriage as a result of what's going on there. What is it? You've violated your covenant with God. You've opened the door, and you've invited in a spirit. And Galatians 6 says, what a man sows, he shall also reap. God will not be mocked. You sow love, you get love. You sow hate, you sow lust, you sow greed. You reap what you sow. And so these principles are one one, they're convicting, but they're also, if you're going to be a warrior uh, in place of helping others find freedom, then we best not have any open doors ourselves when we engage in that kind of stuff, right? All right. Inheritance. Children can, um, we've, we've covered this one, children to the third and fourth generation. That's Exodus 25 and 6. It's also in Exodus 34. Um, curses. We're going to talk about different kinds of Curses. What do demons do? What do they, what do they, what, how are they manifest? What do they, well, they can make bad things worse. You see that in C1? Not everything is caused by demons, but we were told to be alert. They can encourage disruption. Example, if you've got a bunch of people in a church that are gossiping about the leadership in the church, then you will find division. It says, where there is jealousy and division, there's all kinds of sin going on. So you got a bunch of people running their mouth and, and, and roasting the pastor for, for lunch or talking about the one that, I, I can't sit on the same side of the church as this one. I got to sit over here. Man, you need to get over it. And you need to do what Matthew 18 says. Drop the rocks, go work it out. It doesn't mean you have to have dinner with them, but there has to be forgiveness and we need to reconcile to the extent that we can now, if there's an abuser in the mix and there's stuff, no. I tell people, don't come here. This is not the dating service. It's not GRC dating service, right? It's not christianmingle.com. Now, if a relationship's happened, fine. But when people come in here and they're targeting dates for others and they're not interested in what's really going on at the, in, in why we're here, then there's something out of order. And so those are doors that are open. And when those people walk in here carrying a spirit, of that, what are they doing? They just disrupted the entire congregation's flow of service. There are people here that need to get saved. They need to find their place where um, they can get healed. And so I'm not trying to be rigid or religious, but this is the way it is. This is biblically. So when Paul said, don't allow for those to cause immorality, in fact, he told the one guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law in 2 Corinthians, put him out of the church and maybe Satan will cause him to have his soul restored. That's crazy, but that's what he said. And then, so, 
we have to be careful about if we're going to engage in this level of because we're about, we, when we talk about this, we enter into a level of inner healing where we're going after darkness. It would be just plumb foolish for us to go pursue that and leave all the open doors in here and then wonder why people are getting beat up or having trouble. So I'm trying to be sober on this thing, but Satan is no respecter of persons. He goes after children. He goes after, he doesn't fight fair. So he will disrupt the whole congregation. That's why before we go on any mission trips, we are like, do as much as we can to be squeaky clean. Agents of temptation. I put a number of scriptures there under number three. If you struggle with a particular area, you can see where the devil uses that. They always try to use intimidation and fear. We've gone a lot through that, right, with uh, where they manifest. Remember last week I told you, he turned to my... Baptist friend who got spirit-filled, speaking in tongues in Brazil, and the spirit spoke in perfect English, I'm going to kill you when I come out of this girl. What was that intention? That was intention for us to stop speaking in tongues and leave them alone. When they, I remember we were in, uh, what city where it didn't matter, we were in Brazil, and uh, we ended up doing deliverance. It was not, it wasn't wise. This is another thing we learned. The church became so, so many manifestations of the demonic. Our team of 16, we were looking for a quiet place to do deliverance. And one of the leaders of the church said, well, we have a, a section up a couple of flights up. The problem was that it's an open, remember this one, Terry? It was, it was open. There was basically, it was a balcony with a short balcony area on it. So here we are doing deliverances on a roof. And one of the guys, we're there with Randy Clark. He's doing the healing service downstairs. We're upstairs doing deliverance. And one of the guys, I remember it was uh, Rick Byersdorf, big, big broily guy. And uh, he was doing the deliverance. Well, this guy decided when he manifested, eyes roll back in his head, he's going to kill himself and dive off the roof. Well, fortunately, Rick, the linebacker, intercepts the guy just before he goes off the roof, body slams him to the bottom, we deliver him, and then we decided, forget it, we're going down to the street and do the, our deliverances. We took everybody off the roof, right? Again, not, not wise to be doing deliverances on a roof, okay? Because if, just imagine, Randy Clark the healer came and a guy committed suicide by jumping off the cliff, you know, jumping off the roof. What a healing service that would have been, right? Maybe, well, maybe God would have raised him from the dead. I don't know, like Paul did, right? Preached all night, fall out of the thing and raise him from the dead. All right. So the devil uses these things as forms of intimidation. They always lie. They accuse. Um, he's the father of lies, so it's no wonder that they, they, they say things like, you know, I'm high level and, she, and I'm not coming out. Well, that, you're a liar. I know somebody higher level and you are coming out. Jesus, is, okay. So often I have found this to be true. Number D there, which says covert operations for a strategic advantage. What if there's a pastor who engages in pornography? That spirit of lust takes cover for years and years. The church grows, and then all of a sudden, that spirit manifests through adultery, through exposure, whatever, and causes the whole congregation to see what happens? You just scattered, you attack the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. What happens, the enemy will often take cover until he can do strategic damage at a high level. Very smart. But, so that's why I say, look, 
when our pastor years ago said, everybody on staff's going to prayer ministry, whether you like it or not, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to figure this one out. I think that's good. So um, we, we, can't, we covered Trisha's testimony last week in Manchester or the week before, so let's turn it on. Um, so page 29, we have a summary of demons are evil personalities. You should have that. They like to be, we covered this, they like to be in a human entity or an animal. They'll find a place where they don't like to wander around the dry places. They are enemies. They've come to kill, steal, and destroy. They torment, afflict, confuse, accuse, pressure, resist, and, and deceive. They get access through open doors, and they've been given opportunity through the authorization process, the doors that are opened either through one, generational sins, the sins and the iniquities of parents to the third and fourth generation. And that's a tricky one because oftentimes I don't know what my grandparents were into 300 years ago. But you'll find it by asking the individual to tell me about early deaths, out-of-wedlock births, um, Almost every woman in our family line has had miscarriages, um, suicides, homosexuality, perversions. When you start to draw a pattern in a family line of uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, you start to say, hmm. And that goes under when we do the renouncing of, and you'll see this when we do our generational renouncing in the model, that we ask the Lord to take the sword of the Spirit and cut us free from every soul tie associated spiritually, physically, or emotionally. We forgive our forefathers and our foremothers for any sin or open doors that they have opened and manifest as sins of iniquity. And that now my children and my children's children's children will come under the blessings of God in accordance with Exodus 20, where it says, those who love you are blessed to a thousand generations. And now I declare in front of these witnesses that I am a lover of you destroy this curse that's upon my family line. Now, if there's something deep where there's been witchcraft, um, Freemasonry, overt actions where you have, remember the example of the, the doctor degree professor from UNCW, her mother had, was a shaman, had taken her to blood sacrifices and open witchcraft when she was a Christian. And that thing manifested, took, took re residence, but didn't, manifest until 20 years later when she's a key intercessor in our church. And then when she starts praying in Jesus' name, curses of Jesus start coming out. And it's like, wow. But in her humility, she said, we were sharing about going on mission trips. and saying, she, she came and said, when she, she felt she had already confessed that sin of going to a shaman or mediums, and had not, but had not physically renounced it. And it wasn't, and we're sitting there saying, Lord, what about, and then remember this, the word of knowledge that came through, two pictures. One was verbal, the other was a picture. Pat got the um, picture of the black seeds in a burlap bag, and I instantly got the word in my spirit that said generational witchcraft. So Pat blurts out, I see a bag of black seeds, and I said, generational witchcraft? And she goes, oh, well, I said, has anybody in your family been involved in witchcraft? Well, my mother's a shaman. She's a medium. And I've, did you ever participate? Yes. When I was a young Christian, 20 some odd years ago, I went to meetings with her. Do you remember what was spoken over you at the, by the mediums? There were some things that came out of that. She had confessed that, but had never renounced it, never engaged the spirit to the point where you're not staying in this vessel. So as soon as we engaged it, and she said, I renounced generational, and that thing came out.
And because she had been the, the rent cover by the parent who invited in the dark spirit over her life overtly, that thing had a stronghold on her. That was the strong man, witchcraft stronghold. And when that thing, when the Holy Spirit revealed what it was, in her humility, she was willing to come against it. When she renounced, that thing came out. And so, generational witchcraft can be a little tricky. The sins of omission and commission. The things that we committed that we willfully in rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft, that I did, I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. That's willful sin, right? And then there's the sins of omission. I didn't know any better. I thought everybody did that, right? Well, ignorance is not bliss. Trauma. Um, I'll share a couple of things here. We don't have any. Well, we got a little ch- couple of children in the mix here. Let me hold on that one a bit. Um, believed lies. Remember we said, what is the purpose of prayer ministry? To s- discover truth. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And so even if it's not totally true, that untruth gives away of a believed lie because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He sent you the spirit of truth, John 4, so that he could lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't bear it now, but when he comes, he will lead you and guide you in all truth. The truth is what we're after. Truth, truth is not, rele- it, is, it is black and white truth, right? Amen? Okay. Places and objects, there are things that have been cursed, used in sacrifices. Um, I, I think of the one right now. We, were, we took a one day off in Madrid, Spain. We decided to go to the museum. They were having a, they had specially brought in from Egypt uh, pyramid stuff and all the stuff that the Egyptians did on the second floor, this great big Come and see the museum. And average, say, man, that'd be kind of, what's pyramids? I don't know anything about pyramids. We walked up the, the escalator, this, the whole, we got our whole team, and all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, what's that? We started looking at these objects that had come from Egypt used by the Egyptian gods. And we knew instantly we had just walked into this sun. Pay attention, right? What does Hebrews 5.14 says? The mature believer has trained their senses to discern good and evil. Pay attention to, your, to this, your, your senses that are going on. I'm feeling slimed right now. I'm like uneasy. I don't know what's, what's up with that. Or you walk in a room and you're feeling the spirit of lust or some kind of, what is that? Pay attention. Either a person just came in that's carrying it or there's a spirit that's involved in this area, this shop. I remember walking into a shop downtown, a bunch of... Um, homosexuals that owned the shop in there, and I walked in like, ooh. Now, we're not going to be critical. We, we can still love the, we have to love the individual, but I, hey, pay attention, right? Well, Places and objects. When Brother Dixon got married, we were living in Castle Hayes, and we got some gifts for our wedding. And in our prayer time, there was a hindrance. We couldn't, we couldn't understand what was going on. everything there, we started the grill up, and put everything on the grill, and you wouldn't believe how high that fire 
Did it burn the plate up? That's wild. I, I, Neil Blake has shared this one um, openly, so I'll just use an example. His great-great-great-grandfather, I forget how far, brought to North America the Masonic from France. And uh, they had a, a family thing. that had a leather thing. It was a plaque, and it been, Neil had it hanging in his room. It was like family heritage, right? And then when he became aware of the Masonic and what the 32nd degrees and all the curses they bring upon families and all that, he said, man, we're getting rid of this thing. He said, you can ask him, he tried to burn this thing, put gasoline on it. It would not burn. It was, it was leather. And finally he ended up, I think he buried it in a landfill or something like that, but he ended up taking care of it. So the point of all that is you can ask the Lord, is there anything that's bringing defilement in my house? Or on my land. I remember a lady was trying to sell a piece of property. Years trying to sell the property. And she asked her pastor. There's got to be something. Asked her pastor over to walk the land. In the back. In the woods. At the very near the back property line. Under all the trees is a Buddha half buried. He said, what is that? And uh, I don't know. They dug the thing up. Within a week the the property sold. I'm just reporting. You know, again, I... I do them at places, okay. And then curses are lies that we accept or we fail to rebuke. That's the case where Tish, remember the coven cursed her in England, put the, the tape around her house with all the curses on it, and she just threw it away and didn't do anything with it. Okay, next page. What is a curse? This, we, this ought to be pretty quick here. There's um, the definition of a curse is a prayer or an invocation of harm or injury that comes upon a person, an imprecation or a malediction. Imprecation is a $20 word that means a spoken curse, okay? And so it can be sent. Remember the case, the first trip into Brazil, Priscilla comes, she's crippled. Her father had made fun of a neighbor. She's one years old and she becomes crippled after multiple surgeries, no freedom. She comes to our ministry team. My wife discovers she's been cursed. Her family's been cursed by a Macumba witch uh, who they paid the witch to put this curse on the family. And at one years old, her leg turns out. All the nine, I think it was six or nine surgeries. I can't, no, no avail. She comes in, and after renouncing, confessing, forgiving, with a lot of drama, as she stands up, her leg goes straight. God honest truth. So, there is something about the power of a curse that is not. If you have open doors, that curse can come, and it can be directly sent from someone. When people start projecting curses, making judgments, gossiping about you, it's just like, and Christian witchcraft is a problem in the churches where you start praying your will. Example, Lord, I ask you to remove that pastor or make that pastor preach about the following things. First of all, who made you in charge of what that, and now you've just moved into, I'm going to project my, I know better than God can speak to that pastor about, you. it's one of these, Lord, reveal your will to the pastor, let him bring the word that you want that's for you, but when you start projecting, I ask you to move this pastor out, he's not good for this congregation, I ask you to cause circumstances in his family and his life that he's unsatisfied to be here, when, when that's the, 
I remember during the elections, God, you don't want this person in that place. We come now, we speak this person in place. Of course, they didn't get there, but man, as soon as that happens, it's like you just stepped into spiritual witchcraft from a Christian's perspective. Unauthorized prayers. You do not know what you're doing. And you're in danger of projecting your will. It's called manipulation and control or spirit of Jezebel undermining legitimate authority and you open the door for that Jezebel spirit to attach itself to you. Okay, moving on. Intended curses, unintentional curses, or self-inflicted curses. And I've listed those. Um, Let's move down to places and objects. A curse can be general, like a general malaise in a house or another place. Either there's a demonic icon or something has been there or previous owners. Um, Some of you have experienced that. I have as well. False gods, curses. When you walk in, I remember uh, one of our young men, his family were Buddhists. He came, got saved, wanted to go to uh, Randy Clark's school. And he's, his mom, literally, in the house, they live here locally, she's got a shrine of all the Buddhist um, idols, candles burning. I mean, in the house is a full room devoted to the Buddhist gods. Now, he's a Christian in the room next door. And he comes to us, he goes... Man, I am having fitful stuff happen at night. Things are coming and tormenting me. I'm not sleeping. I said, because my parents, I, I, I'm living in their house. I don't have any options. I said, okay, why don't you, first of all, that's your room, right? They've given you authorization to be in that room. Here, take this anointing oil. Go back and anoint your room and declare that this is your place and that you're a believer. You've been authorized to live here by your parents. And none of that spiritual darkness is permitted in your room. That was the end of that. That was the end of it. He, he slept peacefully. He went on to school with Randy and since moved out and is married and awesome kids he's gotten. So, all right. I want you to see that there are, there are places that um, have that curse that's placed upon them, cursed idol objects. Question. A little louder. We, we routinely, we tell our, our mission teams, or there is, I don't think I've stopped ever doing this. When I get to a hotel room, I've paid for it, right? It's my room. I don't care what's taking place. A lot of stuff happens in those hotel rooms, right? So I, this is now my hotel room. So I anoint the door. I open. I make a, I make a practice. I, my wife just knows. I command everything that is unclean, anything that's happened in this place, you're out of here. You're not allowed to be authorized to be here. I go and I anoint all the bed headboards. I said, we're going to sleep peacefully, and I can't recall one time that I've had an issue happen. So again, a little louder, Mom. We went to a 
Not going to stay in the hotel room. We were, got, we were coming home from a trip, and we went into this Holiday Inn, and they brought us to a room, which was big enough for our family. But I said, "We're not staying here. I just know something very evil has happened here, and I'm not staying here." So they said, "Well, this is the last room." I said, "Well, it's too bad. We're out of here." You're dead. I can't see my father. <laughs> this woman. No. He said, "I think we better find another room somewhere else," and he said. Unfortunately, they did find another room, but All they right. wanted to push the. It was a recreation type of room with equipment in it, and I think I think that um, one of the colleges had had some initiations there, but whatever that was the feeling, I was yeah. just sick to my stomach. So again, lots good, some good examples there of. Again, you have authority, but if you don't exercise your authority, right? If somebody trespasses your property, they can trespass your property, but legally you can have them evicted, right? But you got to go and do the process to get them evicted. They got to go 30 days. You guys who are landlords know this. You can't just run them out. You got to get the authorities. You got to fill the paperwork out, but then you bring the police and there's a process. But you have the backing of the law in the eviction if you exercise your authority. Okay. Remember, there's life and death in your tongue. You shall have what you say. Right? Okay. Moving right along. Um, general or specific. Bottom, uh, second paragraph there, the bottom 30. A curse can be general or it can be intended to result in spe specifically in any one of the f uh, more of the long list of unfortunate conditions, disasters including among them sickness, barrenness, severe or social, economic misfortune, susceptibility to accidents, fears, torments. So the, those are generals. Um, conditional or unconditional. A conditional curse is intended to take effect only on the happening of a stated condition. Example, uh, in the invocation of some of the terrible physical harms, members of the Masonic, if you ever do, we, there's some books you could look at called Unto Death, we do some here. The, when the, the way they hoodwink the Masonic Lodge folks is in the different degrees, and I have this from people who are in our congregation who've been in them and have renounced them, they'll be in the midst of their degree, and they're laying there, and they'll, it looks godly. In fact, they have the Bible with other things, but then they bring in the curses, and you're already in the initiation when you are now speaking curses over yourself and your family or future generations. And uh, interesting how that would work. So um, an example of a conditional curse is an invocation. It says, if you reveal the secrets of the society, then these terrible things will come upon your children, your children, and your children's children. The devil doesn't fight fair, though. We found people that probably kept their secret, but their families have still gone through the mess. If you break the rules of the secrecy, then you get it, right? Conditional curses. Many examples of a conditional curse can be found in the Old Testament. One example is the curse the Lord indicated he would impose on the Israelites for disobedience. That's in Deuteronomy 28. It shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and statutes which I command you today, all these curses shall overtake you, right? How about this one? When the Son of Man, remember in the New Testament, right? When the Son of Man in his glory and his holy angels, he will sit at the throne of glory. All the nations shall be gathered before him. He will separate them one from another. Shepherd divides the sheep and the goats. He will set the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. He will say to those on the left hand, 
Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was, okay. Um, So these are places where if you renounce your faith in Christ or never accept Christ, you're already cursed. He's the one who hung on a tree. He became the curse for us. He took the curse of that punishment. So the sheep go with him and the cursed ones or the goats go because they had already renounced or not accepted the Lamb of God. Unconditional curses. Examples of an unconditional curse are those that might be imposed by a witch doctor or a witch um, imposing an illness or a disaster or death. Um, These are intended to operate irrespective of circumstances. Interesting, Kent said this Sunday, uh, but we've seen it also in Brazil. You'll, you go into a village, you'll see a white flag flying. That's a macumba in many of the streets in, in uh, Brazil or Mozambique. You'll see uh, just about on every corner, even in the cities, you'll find a macumba or San La Muerte connection. And you'll go in there. If you have a child that's sick, you can pay them a certain amount. If you're in the bush, you can trade a chicken to the witch doctor, and they will then pray you bring your, your child in there, they're suffering from some kind of a disease or um, something has gone on. They will pray and actually the child will get well from that condition, but you just open the child to the spirit of infirmity. And so the hook is they are able to control that, but then they open it for greater harm later. And so it's very common throughout Mozambique and in places we've been. Okay, um, uh, intended or, uh, uh, yeah, how about this one? That, that one there where Jesus actually spoke it. Remember, in the New Testament example of an unconditional curse is the one that was self-imposed is when the Jewish crowd called out to Pilate and cried, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate washed his hands and declared, I'm innocent of the blood of Jesus, those present were clamoring for Jesus to be crucified and cried out, his blood is on us and our children. You think that curse came about? Yeah. Unfortunately, 70 years later, all of Jerusalem was crushed by the Roman legions, and they were scattered for 2,000 years. Yeah, I think that one happened. Intended or unintentional curses. Above examples are intentional curses when the person invokes the curse, what has been doing, intends to place the curse on an object or target. However, curses can be unintentional. Merely from careless statements where we don't guard our mouths, this job is killing me. Why did I ever marry this person? I'm going to be sick. You guys are driving me absolutely crazy. And we say, it's like, these are statements common in our culture. If you hang around here any length of time, it's like, is that your profession? You don't really mean that, right? One of our guys this week said, man, this is just killing me. It's not killing you. It's not killing you. Oh, yeah, no, it's not killing me. Okay. Be careful what you say because there's life and death in your tongue. So we, I know we can be real rigid about that, but I think there's something about when you get so frustrated. How many have ever had a situation in your anger, you say things, I don't know why I ever said that, or have a child say to you, I hate you, I can't stand, I wish you never were my mother. Or how many prayer ministers I've done that says, you'll never amount to anything, you're no good, you're, you, you keep behaving just like your father. And say, These are all implied curses that can land and I can't tell you hundreds of examples of prayer ministries where those t- these people are in there 
50, 60, 70-year-olds come in, they remember the tape of what was said when they were a child or in that circumstance. My father said I'd never amount to anything. I remember one, um, I was doing a, I was actually on a men's retreat and I was a roommate with a brand new guy in the church and he was like, oh great, sure, I get to be the roommate in the, uh, with a pastor. And uh, we became quick, you know, you can't sleep very much and we're talking and finally, uh, he starts sharing openly, you know, look, I, you know, I smoke pot a lot, and I'm, I'm here. I'm just kind of brand new Christian. I don't know what I'm doing. And so, okay. So I just started, we started walking together for a couple of years, discipling him. And I remember in his prayer ministry, he was going to go to Brazil with us. He said, I'm supposed to go to Brazil. I said, okay. So we're doing his prayer ministry. He had this, he, first of all, he was a successful business guy in town, but he believed and tormented by the fact that he'd never amount to anything really. So we started unpacking that. Like we, I started to see this insecurity, low self-esteem, fear of failure, and uh, just unpacking that, digging the roots of that strong man up. And he finally said, I said, when did that tape start playing? He goes, I can tell you exactly when that happened. I was 10 years old. I lived in California. We didn't live in a big house. We were struggling. My father drove me up on this uh, overlook there, and he said, we're looking at homes that are really, really expensive in this neighborhood. He says, son, what do you see out there? He goes, Dad, I see these amazing homes. I'd love to own one of those one day. His father said, you'll never own one of those because you never work hard enough. You never apply yourself. You're never going to amount to anything. And he sit there and say, now, I think the father's motive was probably pretty good. It was a motive of motivation. The method really stinks. But what landed on that young boy was, my father says, I'll never be able to acquire that. And here he is, is in his mid-40s, and he still believes that. When we renounce that lie, oh my gosh. And of course, we, we followed up with scripture about who you are. You, you know, you're a masterpiece, and you, you, know, you can do all things through Christ. It was amazing. I remember he was so nervous when we went to Brazil. He says, I'm just going to carry your coat, okay? His name was Nick Pianucci. He's in heaven now. Another, I'll finish this story. Um, Nick Caney goes, I'm going to go, I'm supposed to go to Brazil, but I'm so nervous, but I'm just going to carry your coat, right? I'll be an observer. I said, sure, because I knew as soon as you get to Brazil and you're surrounded by 70 people, (laughs) anyway, so he goes through prayer ministry and all, we get to Brazil, we're in Manaus and Randy Randy Clark opens up the prayer time and he is swamped by maybe 20 young seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds, right? And I see Nick's face as they're dragging him my senor, mice, 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 senor, pray for me, you know. And so they drag Nick, and Nick Lick's looking at me with this shock and fear in his eyes. The first, I think he was seven or eight, I forget now, a young boy who was deaf in, I think it was his left, uh, anyway, one of his ears. And uh, Nick laid his hands on him. Seja curado in nome de Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus. God opened up the young boy's ear. That was it for Nick. He was like, well, he gets back, and, you know, we do our Sunday morning service where the, the ministry team has the service, right? We're videoing this, and Nick is, like, up here, like, man, I pray. I can't remember all of his miracle stuff that he had, but he was flying as high. Well, be careful. Within two years, the girl he had known before, who he had ousted and cleaned up his life from, shows up one day at his door, comes in the house. We don't have any kids in here, right? She takes her clothes off. Boom. 
it's on. And he stops routinely coming to church. I'm calling him up, Nick, where are you, man? He goes, yeah, 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 I'm busy. I'm really working hard, lots of Sunday. Nick, Nick, I lose contact with him for over a year. One Sunday morning, he walks in the church, and he's really sheepishly, waits for me after services. Pastor, I hear you're doing a baptism, a water baptism next week. Will you rebaptize me again? I got to get my life together. I am a mess. I'm drinking. I'm smoking dope. I'm sleeping with this girl. She lives in my house. I said, well, Nick, what do you think you're supposed to do? I know what I got to do. He left there, kicked her out, put himself in order. The next week, he comes up. He waits. We baptized 40 that Sunday at Wrightsville Beach. He waits till everybody's done. He had an apartment at Wrightsville Beach. He comes up. He goes, Will you baptize me now, Pastor? I want to make a devout reconnection with Christ on this one. So I did. I took him in the water. I baptized him. And I said, Nick, now, come on, let's walk it out. He goes, man, I'm going to do it. Within one week, he was body surfing in the same location. And he hit the ground and broke his neck. Went into a coma. Some of you went with me to pray for him at, in hospice. And we also to pray that he'd be raised from the dead. He was in a coma. He never, he was a vegetable. And his father called me, his whole family, non-believers. Um, his father calls me and says, you're his pastor. Can you, they, they were so distraught, um, as you can imagine. I said, I'll do the funeral. He says, we're going to do it at uh, Andrews. And there's going to be a lot of people there. He knew, as a contractor, he knew so many people. I said, would, I called up his dad. I said, would it be all right if I show the video of Nick when he came back from Brazil. We'll edit it to the point where it goes, basically you can do whatever you want. They, they don't believe in it, you know. So full room of everybody there. And I said, look, I know where Nick is. I personally baptized him last week. And so that, by that time, it been a couple of weeks by the time they the coma and all that. And so and we prayed for him to be raised from the dead, and he wasn't. I honestly believe in my heart that the Lord took Nick at a really wonderful time. He's in heaven. And we might say, well, why did I, I, I don't understand the mystery of that whole thing. All I know is I can testify he did the right thing. And so the Lord took him. He's fine. He's going to be all right. So I show this video. I give a no holes barred. Well, I remember there were a couple of lesbians sitting in the back that I had known from. And as soon as I start preaching, Christ, they're up and they're out. And then I just showed the video. And I said, look, many of you know Nick from the old days. Let me show you Nick when he found Christ. It was off the hook, and uh, testimony of the, of the power of God in his life. And so I just want to say that those behaviors, if we don't stay on guard, the enemy can open a crack a door, wait for those strategic places, and then take us out. Okay, so let's see, where am I? Masonic, we finished that, curses that lesson, definitely. Okay, um, how about the one there at the, remember the Gehazi one where the leprosy of Naaman, remember in the scriptures there in 2 Kings 5, that basically when Gehazi in his greed steals the gift that was supposed to be given to Naaman, Elisha turns to him and curses him that, that the sin of the very thing that, that Naaman has now become free of is on you and your family. Whew, Wow. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. You say, wow, that wasn't very nice of the Old Testament, right? 
Old Testament, not New Testament. Don't project curses on anybody. Don't, I don't recommend that. Okay. Um, the effects of a curse. We can, occult practices, I think that's pretty straight. We've covered those. Curses that come from practicing occult very powerfully. Uh, they can come on. The effects of curse. Well, um, We can start to see, in fact, I think it's, uh, we may read this soon. I think it was Derek Prince. Yeah, Derek Prince often says, if you start to see a, st- a certain pattern of things, like when, when someone comes in, the first thing I'll start tell- asking them is, tell me about your, your family line. Uh, how did your father, well, they're dead. What did they die of? Died of this. Anybody in your family line um, been involved in divorce or witchcraft or secret societies? And you start to build a a historical record of what's the family relationships going back. And you can start, well, again, what we're asking the Holy Spirit to do is bring revelation to what is it that's authorizing the torment or the lack of freedom in this person's life. And so once they tell you these are the things I've been involved in, these are the sins I've done, these are the uh, things that were done to me, or these were the uh, situations that my family line, you start to see a pattern when you see addiction that runs through multiple generations, when you see early deaths that work through generations, out-of-wedlock births that happen, then you start to get suspicious about, hmm, I wonder if the strong man in this family line that's been authorized to visit to the third and fourth generation is that. And then generally you can start to build around that stronghold their behaviors that have also opened doors. And so... Or after is, what is it that is untrue, or what is it that's the open door that needs to be excised from you through deliverance? So, what are the effects? I think some of these are pretty obvious. Um, you keep praying and praying. In the case where um, Priscilla had gone to church after church, pray for my healing, I'm crippled, I'm crippled, can't get to it. But when we came, the revelation of you have been, your father has been cursed, or your family line's been cursed, and that's why. When, and the curse was very specific. When she said, my father made fun of the neighbor's daughter who was crippled, therefore that family went and paid the Makumba witch to curse his children so that they would be also deformed. And at one years old, I became crippled, and the doctors have been unable to heal me. So when that revelation comes out, you realize, okay, that's a spirit of infirmity. It's a crippling spirit that needs to be, can you forgive your father, the neighbor next door, the witch who's done it, all the people that made fun of you because you're, you're tormented, you're, you're, you've been made fun of, you've been rejected. When you do all of the forgiveness and confession, that unauthorized spirit is no longer able to stay. It's a trespasser. Get them out. Question. Yeah, there's, if somebody says, I don't know who my biological father or mother is, I was, I'm an orphan, I have no idea. Often that can be the case. What you do with that one is say, okay, the Lord knows all of that, and the enemy knows all of it. So what we'll do in that case is we'll be very general. I choose to forgive. I t- verse we says, remember Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is full of living power and is able to cut between soul and spirit. So what we do is, Lord, take the sword of your spirit, the double-edged sword of your spirit. I ask you to cut between the soulish realm and the spirit realm. We choose now to forgive all forefathers and foremothers, any sin, any open doors, very generic prayers, but it's, and the person is willing to forgive. I don't know, 
they might be struggling with an orphan spirit, feeling rejected. Where's my parent? I remember uh, recently, a person had no idea who their parent was, gave them up for adoption, and they struggled with, why would they do that? Why, what was about me that I'm so unlovable they couldn't love me? Well, that's a lie. There could be a lot of reasons, right? And so getting them past the low self-esteem, the orphan spirit, um, that feeling of not being loved or good enough that somebody would want me, Lord knows there's all sorts of reasons, right? Okay, good question. All right, um, how are they generated? They can be written. I gave you the example last week of the warlock who came to the Belém tent and he was projecting curses written and our translators are getting sick. That's a written projected curse, an oral curse, careless statements, involvement with secret societies, conducts that bring in the devourer, and iniquities of ancestors passed on. Okay. All right, let's... Uh, Self-imposed curses, the bottom of 33. I think these are some are obvious, right? The Masonic, if, if you've got family members that are, are, t- are tying into secret societies, that is just loaded with all sorts of negative opportunities there. Even though it all looks good, the Shriners, they, have, they do good works. There's no, uh, there's no question about they do good works. But often the, the enemy masquerades as a spirit of light, and he's really dark. So we need to ask, when you start pulling this back, and don't take my word for it, go research it. There's enough 33 degrees masons that have come out. And we have a whole series here of how to break those curses. You can read through it. I suggest you do and do it for yourself. We'll do it at prayer ministry if that's in your family line. But um, they will tell you what the curses are that they have spoken verbally. All right. Um, I listed a couple of those. Inner vows. Um, there can be positive inner vows, things that you, I'll never be like that. I'll, I remember um, children of alcoholics or drug addicts say, I'll never drink and I'll never do drugs. I know some of them. I'm telling you, I made an inner vow. I'm not, I love my father. And he's in heaven now and he was clean. But when I saw what, what happened many times, I made an inner vow, I will never drink, I'll never get drunk, and I'll never do an illegal drug, and I never have. I never, I think I was drunk once or twice in, in college. And I said, man, this is just crazy. So much to the point, when I started dating my high school sweetheart, who I married 44 years ago, when she would, we would go to parties, she was on the cheerleading squad, and I'm and there in parties, you know, high school parties and all, and she would go have one beer, no woman I'm ever going to marry is ever going to drink. And I'm like, man, she ended up breaking up with me because she thought I was just a weirdo. But two years into college, she saw the light. And uh, <laughs> But to this day, I just, so there are vows that can be positive, but most that can be inner vows. I will never be like my father or I will never be like my grandfather. Well, there are attributes of them that you might want to be like good character. So inner vows can be, um, you can have projected curses. You're just as angry as your father was. Or you're going to be just as controlling as your mother is. You know, those are things that are projected that, man, be careful what we say, right? Okay. Uh, we're not going to go anymore in secret societies. That's there, page 35. All right. Bottom of page 35, the interview process. We're getting, this is good. We're getting to the place where um, 
we're starting to go from biblical basis and knowledge, informational stuff that you good to have, how the enemy's techniques are, or how he operates, or how he gets access ways. But now we want to move towards, we're going to become now the warriors of effectivity. We're going to come, we're going to start to interview and start to gather the information. And so in the interview process, the probable existence of a curse can be recognized when a person being interviewed or in their prayers. I mean, um, sometimes a person receiving ministry knows right away they've been cursed. In the case of several, we said they don't know they've been cursed. So in the interview process, ask the family, has your family member ever been involved in X, Y, and Z? Ever, have you ever prayed to Satan? Did you ever wish anybody dead? Did you ever, um, yeah, I, I remember this situation. I wish my father died. Okay, well, that is a cursing of your mother and father. Dishonoring of your mother and father in the Old Testament resulted in stoning. It's a pretty serious thing of dishonor. Even though the activity of that person is not honoring an abusive parent, right, or an irresponsible parent, that they're not acting responsibly. But what I do with that, even when I don't understand, if I project a curse on them, then I have a sin that I've got to deal with, right? And so, in the process of asking them, did you ever wish anyone died? Yes. What was it? I remember I, I, I wished my ex would die when they, were, they would come home and beat me. They would be drunk and, and say, well, what that person did, we need to forgive. But you also need to confess that murdering spirit. And so, we, we, we give unauthorization to both sides of this. In the case where uh, T uh, Trish, remember, she had had a, an abortion, but she never told anybody. And when we're doing the ministry and all of a sudden Karen Bowen doubles over and says, oh, ask her about the abortion. And that comes out. The Holy Spirit knew it, knew that it was a stronghold there. We couldn't make progress. When she confesses that murdering spirit, that thing which is now bringing self-destruction against her and her family has to go. Okay. You ever been involved in any satanic rituals, et cetera, et cetera? And some of them can be, you know, yeah, I read horoscopes. I did the Ouija board. Uh, never really did it much. And so there's, there's kind of what we'll call contact or intrigue with it. But then there's this, yes, I went to seances. I was directly involved in, in occult worship. Okay, two different things. We still are going to confess those Deuteronomy 18.10 have nothing to do with that stuff. But this one we may need to delve in some de uh, deeper detail in. Okay. We ask for, we start usually, tell us about uh, your family. Um, how many brothers, sisters did you have? Is your, your mother and father, did they stay married? Well, was it like growing up with your, my mom was extremely controlling. She wore the pants in the family. Dad was one of those avoided conflict. So then you start to form an idea that you've got maybe things out of order in the house. And what's the relationship with this child, with the mother or the father? And so... Because those are projections or echoes. Those authority figures also reflect the authority figures that we might either allow as bosses, pastors, or God himself. So figuring out what those relationships are with parents and siblings are important. Teachers, coaches, we ask them, so we're kind of camping around this, who else do you need to forgive? They come in with their journal of, of who I need to forgive, and they may have... Uh, a grandparent or a coach or a teacher. I remember um, <clears throat> one I've shared 
recently with somebody in prayer ministry, this person said, look, I have no reading comprehension. When I read the Bible, I can't, I get nothing. Now, this person had been, is, is a business leader, <laughs> runs a success, had run a successful business in town. She'd been doing this. She came to my office and says, I gave her the journal. I said, these are some scriptures I'd like you to read in preparation and make your journal. She goes, I can't read scripture. Can you do it on audio? I said, what do you mean you can't read scripture? You read contracts, you sign contracts. You gotta, what are you talking about? He goes, I can't read scripture. I, I, I fall asleep. I, I can't comprehend it. It's, when did that happen? Well, I have had a reading comprehension problem all my life. When did that happen? I can tell you exactly when it happened. I was in first grade. And if you could finish your reading assignments, you got to sit on the blue mat and got a snack. If you didn't finish, you went on the, the, the green mat and you didn't get a snack. And every time my mother would come in for teacher conference, your daughter has a reading comprehension problem. And so it's in my report card. So I have a reading comprehension problem. I said, really? And yet you run a successful business. I don't, I don't think so. You just, you believe that lie, don't you? He goes, well, I've experienced it all my life. Well, would you be willing to renounce the lie that God can do all things who gives you the strength, he can remove any chaos and belief of that lie that you got in your life because you absolutely run a business and you comprehend very well. Okay. I forgive my first grade teacher. I renounce the lie. I've be a lie. I have had a reading comprehension problem. It's not wrong that the teacher called it out, but I can tell you I have now made it my identity. Well, that's not true. I'll renounce the lie that I have a reading problem. I took authority over chaos. Lord, I ask you to download. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Teach her now as she reads scripture. She called me the next day. She goes, I'm reading scripture. I, I read all the scriptures. I said, awesome. So what I'm saying is what was told to her at a very early, she believed as a lie. And so, again, this is places where we're asking God to bring revelation. So as we're accumulating data in the prayer ministry um, setting, we're asking the first 50, usually my, mine average six hours. I'll just tell you right now. The first three hours are, tell me who you are, tell me what you struggle with, and tell me about your family. I have a letter in my office from three weeks ago, a man from another church, somebody that used to go here, told him hey, he's having marriage problems, said, you need to go to Global River and go for prayer ministry. Kicked and screamed, called me up the week before. He says, I need to tell you all about you. you know, we spent, I think it was seven hours, seven hours with him. And uh, he wrote me a letter the following week. He goes, first of all, I got some issues with pastors and I got issues with Christians in church who say one thing and don't do another. And I still can't believe you didn't charge me for se A senior pastor took seven hours with somebody he doesn't hardly even know, and you spent, goes, this doesn't compute for me. But I can tell you, I am so free. It's wonderful. <laughs> right? Because this is a ministry of love, right? We get the collateral blessing. This person has, most people have 70 people in their sphere of influence. When that person gets more and more well, they affect those people around them. And so this ministry of love is just, so the point of that is if we can engage in collecting data, so we spent the first three hours, tell me all about that, and I'm, I'm listening in the natural, but I'm hearing by the Spirit, so is my partner. We're hearing by the Spirit that 
this particular person has real father issues of authority. A, a whole record of every time they line up in work, in school, bosses, pastors. It's not, it doesn't go real. I don't trust authority. Well, where'd that start? Come back here. This authority figure in my life was untrustworthy. Did not operate. So I believe that those in authority will either take advantage of me or abuse me or not treat me well. I believe that. Therefore, I wait for expectation for that belief system to manifest. Proverbs 23. As a man or woman believes in their heart, so they will become. So when a person believes it's just a matter of time before I'm rejected and set aside. They will figure out who I am and reject me. And here's all the examples in my life where I have been rejected. So now I'm here and I know and I'm so afraid I either want to keep them away and not let them in because once they figure it out, they'll reject me or I'll get hurt and wounded. So they are tormented. They can't enter into being who they are. Regularly find that as an issue. All right, we've got to land this thing. So... Um, so let's finish. We will, we're making good progress. Praise the living God. We will finish and we will start. Actually, we'll be finished really good. Praise God. Okay. So fin if you have not finished reading the journal notes, the teaching notes, do that. And then if you would make sure you've read, remember in the reading assignment, which is on the first page of Breaking Free Handout, the white page. If you haven't picked it up, you can pick up one of my books there in the back. That's a gift to you. Just take one. Um, and then finish the reading assignment, which will be the models, the, the modules that are in here. There's three modules in the ministry manual. And then next week, we will start into the destiny model procedure. We're going to go through the steps of this model. You'll start to see now, if you've, if you've been gathering some of the biblical basis of this, you'll start to see why we do, why we do, and why it's in the order that we do. And I can just tell you, if you follow this model, and it's, it's a biblical model. If you follow this model, the people that you're ministering to will not get hurt, and you will not get injured either. So... Um, we have, I'll probably hand them out, we have little cheat cards at the end. You can slip that in your Bible at some point. It's like if you're doing one of those first, let's see, I'm going to pray now about that. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. This is not, a, you know, it's not a closed book test. This is like, Lord, I, I want to do this right. And so, again, the I, reason I took all the detail in the stories of all the true examples of what took place is because as we were learning this process, the Lord was equipping us, sharpening our sword to be able to do this work. And so there's a basis for all those. So you get to a place where at some point you're going to be well equipped. So let's stand and we'll be dismissed tonight. Lord, I, I pray that you, right now we're in a 24-7, seven days of prayer. As a body of believers, Therefore, I believe there's, there's so many awesome connections. You love prayer. And so, Lord, I pray as we're devoted, it says my house should be a house of prayer. As we devote our time to this, I pray now, Lord, for special revelation, dreams, visions, things that, are holding, that have held people back for years and years. I'm asking for a breaking anointing that comes through, that there would be this place where ahas go on in the spirit. It's like, wow. Spirit revelation of truth so that your people become more and more 
spiritually mature and equipped to do the good work that you've called them to. In Ephesians 2.10, you said, you are a workmanship created unto good works that were predetermined or predestined before the foundation of the earth. Every one of us has got a work and a destiny and a purpose. Each of us, living stones, specifically cut to be in that temple place of the living stones at the temple of God. No one else will ever fit that stone. So God, I pray that we would not miss our potential. We would align our free will with your free will to do what you've called us to. And Lord, I thank you for peace, covering, safety, the blood of Jesus, no torment, no fear, anything they've heard that's brought either conviction, conviction's good, condemnation is not allowed. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Confess, you can take communion before you leave. We've left it set up. So Lord, I thank you right now for your blessing and your covering in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. God bless.